I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. One of the challenges with treating Alzheimer's disease is diagnosing patients early enough in the course of its progression to have a meaningful impact with treatments. Sunbird Bio said it can accurately detect and differentiate specific proteins that aggregate and signal the presence of Alzheimer's disease with a simple blood draw. It said its test and development could address the growing need for more sensitive, reliable, and non-invasive diagnostic tests to accelerate drug development and enhance patient care. We spoke to John McDonough, Executive Chair and CEO at Sunbird Bio, about its diagnostic test for Alzheimer's disease, how it has the potential to impact treatments and outcomes for millions of patients with the condition, and how its merger with Glimpse Bio is expected to push it into new markets. John, thanks for joining us. Uh, Thanks, Danny. Great to be here today. We're going to talk about Alzheimer's disease, Sunbird Bio, and its efforts to develop a blood-based diagnostic for the neurodegenerative condition. Perhaps we can start with Alzheimer's itself. For listeners not familiar with the condition, what is it? Uh, You bet. Alzheimer's disease uh, is actually the most common type of dementia. Uh, There's about 50 million people around the world uh, who suffer from dementia on an annual basis, and about 70% of those patients will have Alzheimer's disease. It's a progressive disease that typically begins with mild memory loss and over time can lead to the loss of the ability for a person to be able to hold conversations, be aware of the environment they're in, uh, et cetera. Uh, It's a progression that can take many, many years, even one or multiple decades, Uh, and it's a growing phenomenon. Uh, While there are 50 million patients on a worldwide basis today, that number is expected to grow to about 150 million by the year 2050. How is the condition treated today, and what's the prognosis for someone diagnosed with Alzheimer's? Well, it's a a disease that is, uh, in terms of treatments, the treatment options are starting to grow, which is a a very, very exciting time in this this whole disease area. Uh, Prior to a year ago, uh, a a patient would typically be diagnosed based on cognitive tests. Uh, Typically, a patient would present at their primary care physician, uh, make suggestions of memory loss, and, and then a primary care physician would be up to them to whether to refer a patient to a neurologist. As many as half the patients get lost right there because there's not any testing that's really determining who goes to the neurologist or not. And then when the patient goes to the neurologist, they're dealing with much more extensive cognitive testing but also typically not a diagnostic. Uh, there are good diagnostics, PET scans being the best, uh, but they haven't been reimbursed uh, from, a, from a healthcare standpoint, and they're very expensive, about $6,000 every time you, you run a scan. 
And again, prior to a year ago, if they determined you had Alzheimer's disease, they'd try to help you make changes in lifestyle, you know, kind of prepare for the future, uh, improve exercise and um, uh, eating habits and the like, uh, but no real treatments. Uh, about a year ago, a little bit less than a year ago, the first drug got FDA clearance developed by Ezi, a, a drug by the name of Lakembi. And Lakembi is treating the amyloid plaques, these proteins that aggregate in the brain. Uh, and they were able to demonstrate that by removing 70% or more of that amyloid plaque in the brain, they saw a 30 to 35% improvement in the cognitive decline of the patient. And excitingly, Eli Lilly now has a drug that's under review by the FDA that most people believe will get clearance uh, sometime very soon. The name of that product is Denonamad. And that showed a very similar, similar phenomenon in terms of reducing the plaque and improving the state of cognitive decline. So uh, there's more to come. There are probably 30 or more drugs that are in various stages of development. Uh, and it's an exciting time because I think there's there's a light on the horizon for treating patients. I think many people would argue that one of the challenges in developing effective therapies for the condition is that too often people who are diagnosed with Alzheimer's are diagnosed after there's been significant disease progression. There's even been some suggestion that some of the phase three failures we've seen have been because the clinical trial makeup has included too many patients that were too far progressed. How important do you think early diagnosis will be to having meaningful therapies to treat the condition? Yeah, early diagnosis is, is going to be key here. And in these clinical trials uh, that have been run, it's really shown that these drugs are more effective the earlier that you treat the patient uh, in terms of progression of the disease. Uh, and the challenge there, even though the Ezi product has now been in the market for roughly nine months or so, it's getting very little use. And the challenge is that you need to run a PET scan. All these trials uh, have used PET scans as the way to determine who to enroll a patient. And, and then they're monitoring the patient with PET scans at roughly $6,000 a scan. And so now you've got the drugs available, but the PET scans aren't available and we need a new testing phenomenon that's that's much more accessible to patients, for sure, uh, for both determining who to treat, to, to then determine if the treatment is working, and then to know when to stop the treatment uh, in terms of breaking up the beta amyloid. Uh, but the earlier you can detect the patient, uh, the data has shown in these trials, the better the results. And I think where this will ultimately get to, Danny, is is a day when you can actually test a patient before they actually have symptoms. And you can, if you can see the formation of these plaques in the brain, you treat the patient before the symptoms and potentially eliminate the disease and, and the devastating effects of these diseases in the first place. That's certainly been the case of virtually all areas in medicine I've been involved with, early cancer detection, early detection of infectious disease. The more quickly you can treat a patient, uh, the higher the probability that you can uh, improve the ultimate results. There's been a lot of focus on beta amyloid. There have been newer efforts focused on looking at Alzheimer's as either a type 3 diabetes or a, an inflammatory condition. How well understood is the biology of the disease? 
Uh, it's 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 pretty well understood, but it's still very early. Uh, you know, not a month goes by where we learn something new. Um, so it's an exciting time uh, in terms of the knowledge that that we're gaining, and then how that knowledge can be used to effectively treat patients. Uh, what we didn't know a year ago, and there was some debate, is whether or not these amyloid plaques that form in the brain, in fact, affected cognitive decline. Uh, many thought that, but some debated it. Of course, the drugs have now proven that you reduce the plaques, you improve cognitive decline, so that, that debate has, has, has ended. But there's, there's other bigger question, which is why do these plaques form in the first place? Um, we all have beta amyloid in the brain. The, the, that is a protein that exists. It, it helps the brain recover from injuries or against viruses or tumors. Uh, but sometimes an error occurs uh, in the formation of the beta amyloid. And when that error occurs, it really becomes sticky. And then it starts to aggregate and forms these plaques. How is the condition typically diagnosed today? Typically, it's, uh, it is being diagnosed not as amyloid plaques, uh, but by testing patients for memory loss and, and, and other uh, types of diagnostics that, that they'll run on a patient, neurological exams, cognitive assessments. They'll make an assessment of whether a patient has Alzheimer's. It's a very ineffective way because you can get a sense of its early or late stage, a sense, because you're assessing it based on the memory state of the patient. Um, but that's not really the way we need to go here. We need a biological test. There is a very strong gold standard with PET scans uh, that have proven to, to detect over 90% of these amyloid plaques. And we need a diagnostic that is linked to the therapy. A cognitive assessment is interesting and is helpful for sure for patient planning purposes, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's early enough and you should treat with a drug that's going to remove plaques that are formed in the brain. There, there are also different drivers of dementia. Uh, there sure are. There are different proteins. There's different forms of dementia. Uh, you know, even Parkinson's disease is, is, a, is a, a form of a brain disorder that occurs, there's Lewy body disease and a, and a number of others. And you really need to be able to di differentiate for treatment purposes, which disease does the patient have? And it, it goes back to having that definitive diagnostic that can really determine what the cause of the memory loss is so that we can get targeted treatment to those patients and just those patients who need it. Sunbird Bio is developing a blood-based test to detect Alzheimer's disease. How does the test work? It's an exciting development. Uh, it was developed at the National University of Singapore. Um, uh, what, what we were able to determine, and it's a real breakthrough, uh, it's a problem of detecting this sticky form of beta amyloid, which is the culprit in the formation of these plaques in the brain. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we all have beta amyloid, and that beta amyloid, some of it, although in low concentrations, will go through the blood-brain barrier uh, and can be detected by diagnostic tests. But what we don't know and what hasn't been able to do is to specifically identify sticky beta amyloid passing through that, uh, through that barrier. 
Uh, what we determined is, is that there are vesicles that float around in the brain that actually pass through the, the blood-brain barrier and only the sticky form of beta amyloid will actually bind to these vesicles that go through the blood-brain barrier. And we have an extraordinarily sensitive detector, gold-plated at the nanoscale size, that can detect both the vesicle and the beta amyloid. And as a result, we're specifically detecting sticky beta amyloid as opposed to detecting how much beta amyloid you might have, which is not necessarily a surrogate for the aggregated state. Uh, all of the, uh, the development at Sunbird is kind of best summarized in a publication uh, in Nature Communications, uh, where we did a large scale study looking at early stage, late stage Alzheimer's disease, other types of diseases. And we were able to show an over 90% correlation with our test result with PET scan results, which is what we compared our results to. So we think we're well on our way of getting to the point where you can have a blood test that lets you know that the plaque has in fact aggregated. Uh, we can even quantify that result so that as you uh, treat a patient over time, hopefully you see a reduction in the formation of that plaque in the brain so that you know the drugs are effective and working. And in fact, you know when to stop treating a patient. Is it known how early in the progression of the disease you might be able to detect it with a, a blood-based test? Uh, based on what we know today, Danny, we're, we're as good as a PET scan. What we believe, but this will be the, the, the we believe it, but we need data to, to back this up. We believe we have the potential to detect the formal formation of the uh, 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 plaques in the brain before a PET scan to detect it. And so what that makes possible is a day where we start to test for Alzheimer's disease the way we test for colon cancer today. You get to a certain age, they've just reduced that for colon cancer to age 45, you have your colonoscopy. Hopefully you'll get to a certain age, we'll have studies, you'll have a blood test uh, that determines whether you have aggregated beta amyloid, you get treated and then you never have to deal with the symptoms of, of Alzheimer's disease. I do believe that day's coming. We're obviously years away from running those studies and being able to really eliminate the disease. But in the short run, there's a tremendous opportunity to identify the patients who in fact have the disease and make sure the right patients are being treated with the new drugs that are becoming available. What's been done to validate the test? Uh, so we've done uh, a number of clinical studies, a very significant study uh, that really was the, the, the foundation for the company, uh, where we ran uh, hundreds of samples comparing our test results to PET scan results uh, in, at both early stage and late stage disease. Uh, the data from that study was published in Nature Communications, which is one of the top scientific journals in the world and it showed over a 90% correlation with PET scan results, which is a real breakthrough in, 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 in the possibilities for detecting and treating disease. You mentioned uh, the use of the PET scan. I, I take it there are enormous cost benefits of using a blood-based test that would make it uh, potential for using it as a, as a broadly used screen as part of a, a health checkup. Uh, no doubt. I mean, pet, pet, PET scans, you know, cost on average in the United States about $6,000. It can be as much as $10,000. Uh, 
But the problem is even bigger than that. Pet scan scanners cost one to two million dollars, and they're they're not in rural parts of the country, and certainly many parts of the world, and there are not enough people to to actually run these pet scans. So it's generally not accessible. If if all of a sudden we said, "Hey, the cost just dropped. Let's have everybody get a pet scan," you still wouldn't be able to do it. A blood test has the potential to to really get that cost down into the hundreds of dollars, hopefully the low hundreds of dollars per test so that you can identify patients really cost effectively and importantly, know who to treat, but also know who not to treat because there are side effects with some of these drugs in terms of brain swelling and bleeding that can occur. And so you really don't want to treat patients who don't need the drugs either. What would be the result that's returned to a physician? Is it a a simple measure of amyloid beta? Would it provide a definitive diagnosis or identify patients who would need additional testing or to be followed? Yes, it would give a definitive test result and it it would be quantitated so that you would understand just how large that uh, plaque formation in the brain is. And the real advantage of that is is that if a patient comes back, let's say in four weeks, you know, for, for their next injection, you can run the blood test again and you can see if, in fact, the plaque is starting to break down and improve. So it would be a definitive test. It would not surprise me early on as we uh, get our products into the marketplace, if people use it as a screening test before a PET scan, before they get completely comfortable with the result. But ultimately, this will be a definitive diagnosis. And what's not about the specificity or false positives or its accuracy? Yeah, the accuracy was very high in our clinical studies, over 95% specificity in in the studies that we've run to date, uh, a very, very low false positive rate um, as compared to PET scan results. And is the expectation that you would seek FDA approval for the test or would this be done as a CLIA lab model? Uh, We would likely enter the market in the CLIA lab model, but ultimately get FDA clearance as well. Uh, We believe that uh, in order to get the diagnosis with the neurologist, a CLIA lab will be very effective in terms of entering the marketplace, hopefully in a reasonably short period of time to provide that test result. As we move this test to the primary care physician's office, we feel FDA clearance uh, would be a significant milestone to to, to help drive adoption with with primary care physicians. And what's the conversation been like with payers? Any sense how they view the test and what it would take to get reimbursement from them? Well, the key the key to getting reimbursement is going to be to have a, a, a number of studies. We already have a couple, but even more that shows the comparability of our test result to a PET scan result. Um, and then once we're able to demonstrate that um, and, and demonstrate it to their satisfaction, uh, we have demonstrated it already, uh, but typically they require three or more studies. Uh, right now we have one published study. Uh, that will drive the reimbursement. And when you're being compared to a $6,000 test, uh, there's a lot of excitement to try to speed up our time to get these studies completed. Uh, and we're excited to get it done as well. Uh, needless to say, there's a tremendous amount of interest uh, among neurologists, pharmaceutical companies, and a number of others in, in the work that we're doing. Uh, and we intend to partner with all of those folks to make sure that we run the right studies uh, and get this product 
effectively into the hands of people who can really treat patients and hopefully make a difference in the lives of patients. Is anyone using the test yet to screen for clinical trial participants, or is there any talk of using it as a companion diagnostic for any therapy? Uh, there's a, a lot of talk of using it in clinical trials, uh, along with PET scans. Uh, we're not in, we're not at that stage yet to be able to do that. Uh, we'll be in a position to to start to consider those opportunities in about twelve months' time. Uh, how about in terms of building acceptance within the physician community? Have you started having those types of discussions yet? We sure have. We have uh, clinical advisory boards. We've been working uh, with both neurologists, primary care physicians, uh, people from the uh, the healthcare community to really make sure that we're building the clinic body of clinical data uh, and having it coming from the right source uh, that they'll be looking for to drive adoption of the tests. And, and I will tell you, it, it, there is universal excitement around what we're doing and, and the effect that we can have. There's, there's a really big unmet need here and one where we think we're uniquely positioned to make a difference. And what's the path forward to getting it on the market? Well, the key path right now is to uh, get the product developed to the state into a lab so that we can start running in clinical studies. Uh, we think we're about a year or less away from being able to do that. Uh, and then the second stage will be to implement this in a CLIA lab, which we expect to have completed uh, in less than two years. In August, Sunbird announced it had completed its merger with Glimpse Bio. Each company was developing protein-based diagnostic platforms. How do the different platforms, Apex and Glimpse, either overlap or complement each other? Yeah, it's a big complementary opportunity. So Sunbird uniquely is able to detect these extracellular vesicles um, that uh, provides us with a unique opportunity to detect proteins uh, in, 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 uh, directly from blood samples. Glimpse is also protein-based, but they have a completely novel approach where they're not specifically detecting proteins as we're doing with the Apex platform, but rather they're detecting the activity of the proteins. Uh, and it have, we've developed a library of about 800 different algorithms of protein activity. It's called proteases, but I won't bore you with the details of that. And what we're able to do is to correlate that protein activity with different disease state. Our primary focus today with the Glimpse platform is on early cancer detection. We have some excellent data around liver cancer and colon cancer uh, in terms of applying these algorithms. But we also see an opportunity in the, in the future to potentially take this platform and apply it to the, to, to the world of neurology and the work we're doing at the Apex platform as well. So as you think about building out those other indications, how are you going about identifying the opportunities and how are you prioritizing them? Yeah, we really prioritize them based on talking to the clinicians, the physicians, the pharmaceutical companies uh, who ultimately determine what the real need may be. I mean, the, look, the role of a diagnostic is to provide a test result that can change the way a patient, a patient gets treated. So whether you want to call it an official companion diagnostic, you know, where you're tight, tightly linked to a single drug, what you really want is a universal diagnostic that's tied to many different therapies uh, that can be applied for a particular condition. 
So we, we start with the clinicians, the physicians, uh, the developers of the therapies themselves, uh, and then we focus on diagnostic results that, that could really determine who should and should not receive those therapies that are either in the market or, or are in development. John McDonough, Executive Chair and CEO of Sunbird Bio. John, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Danny. Enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.